When you're in the market for a new car, you want a vehicle that conquers your daily commute, easily handles the elements, and looks great too. You need the reliability of a Toyota and the confidence that your investment will last. Why? Because after all the carpools, shopping trips, and weekends out, you want a car that still has plenty of miles left in it and holds its value for a great trade-in deal. That's where Toyota leads the pack as the number one resale value brand for 2024, according to Kelly Blue Book's KBB.com. So check out the all-new, fully redesigned 2025 Camry or test drive a stylish and affordable Corolla sedan or hatchback. And remember, when you choose Toyota, you're not just buying a car for today, you're investing in trade-in value for tomorrow. Visit buyatoyota.com, the official website for deals, for more. Vehicles projected resale value is specific to the 2024 model year. For more information, visit kellybluebookskbb.com. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company, Incorporated. Toyota, let's go places. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to Happier, where we discuss cutting-edge science, the wisdom of the ages, lessons from pop culture, and our own experiences in trying to be happier. This week, we'll talk about why you should join or start a group and why it's helpful to put an item on the schedule. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, and usually I'm in L.A., where I'm a TV writer and producer, but today I am in New York yeah. City, and more exciting yeah. than the fact that I'm here, our yeah. mother is yeah. here, Karen Kraft, yeah. who's visiting, uh, and she's watching us, yeah. so I'm sure afterwards she's going to offer us some wonderful constructive yeah, yes, criticism. Yes, and I did wear lipstick uh, yeah. in contemplation of the fact that she would be joining us. <laughs> <laughs> so she'll be cheering us on from the control booth today. Yeah. She doesn't want to be on the show, but yes. she wants to watch. Yes. So, Elizabeth, before we jump in uh, with the Try This at Home, we heard from a ton of people who were uh, tried the tip of to be a tourist in your own city um, in episode 15. So I thought it was, let's just talk about some of the things. They had such uh, great ideas about how to do that. Yeah, well, I love uh, one person who lives in Long Beach, which is near me, yeah. near L.A., yeah took the train or attempted to take the train <laughs> to Tacolandia. I mean, what a name. Tacolandia. Great. In L.A. And uh, she and her friends ended up um, having train troubles <laughs> and sort of circling back and realizing at the end of a two-hour odyssey they were actually in their own neighborhood where they did feel like tourists because <laughs> yeah. it looked all new to them. Yeah. 
Uh, they did eventually get to Tacolandia, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we heard from somebody who lives in Austin, um, and they aim to do two cultural things a week, whether that was music, creative morning, going to lectures at the University of Texas, something called the Weird Homes Tour, which I definitely would want to take. Um, and, and the idea of like having that goal of doing two things a week really made sure that they discovered all the new things going on in their city. And then my favorite was actually from someone from Kansas, Scratch, yeah, who... Yeah. Uh, decided that she and her two sons were going to make a point to experience something in every county in Kansas by the time they graduated high school. Yeah. And she said they've found all sorts of hidden treasures in the state of Kansas, which doesn't surprise us, <laughs> being from Missouri. Right, right, right next door. Um, so it was great to hear from people uh, who tried being a tourist in their own city, and it was great to hear all the different ways of doing it. This week, before we get to our Try This at Home, I want to ask you a small favor. Here at Panoply, we're trying to learn more about our podcast listeners. We want you to tell us about the podcasts you enjoy and how often you listen to them. So we created a survey that takes just a couple of minutes to complete. If you fill it out, you'll help Panoply to make great podcasts about the things you love and the things you didn't even know you loved. It's a real help to us if you complete the survey. And to do so, just go to panoply.fm slash survey. Or you can click the link we've provided in the show notes for this episode or in my blog post for this episode. Now, again, that's panoply.fm, that's FM, like old radio, slash survey. Or click the link in the show notes or in my blog. So, Elizabeth, we'll start uh, with the Try This at Home. And this week, the Try This at Home tip is to join or start a group. Well, Gretch, you are the queen of groups. Yes. You have not one, not two, but three children's literature groups that you have started. Yes. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a member of a lot of groups. Um, and I am. If I when I started the first children's literature reading group, I truly believed that I was the only adult in New York <laughs> City who wanted to read children's literature and young adult literature as an adult. But it turned out when I started asking around, I had plenty of people to start my group. And that group got so big that I had to it closed to new members. Then we started another group that closed to new members. Then we started another group there. And these groups are like such a highlight of my life, you know, um, because I have all these new friends and I see them regularly and I get to talk about children's literature. Yeah, you know, I the trick about a group is keeping it going. Yes. Because like I had a I was in a group that I love. We called ourselves the eight. Ooh, and that's we a were good name. eight TV uh, female TV writers. Yeah. Um, mostly it amounted to us getting together and complaining oh. about, you know, <laughs> uh, writing okay. TV <laughs> and having dinner. Uh, but it was tons of fun, but then it just sort of petered yeah. out. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why. Uh, well, here's one thing I've noticed about the groups that I've been part of is that if you're part of a group, there kind of needs to be somebody who feels like they're the boss of the group or they're like the final, the the, the, the person who's truly responsible in the end for the group. And on my site, GretchenRubin.com, I have these starter kits for people who want to start a group that is either to do happiness projects together or to do habit change projects together because a lot of times people the accountability that comes from a group is really helpful that's a thing that you get from a group as well it's just the fun of it um, but one of the things that is in that starter kit and that I've so I very much found to be true in my case is that you need somebody who feels like if there's some kind of question they're the final authority or like somebody emailed me and said our group is meeting in four hours and I have an emergency and I can't host should I cancel and I had to say I'll host it 
I was the final appeal. Like I was the one and you, you sort of or like if we go too long without scheduling it, like we forget sometimes, you know, you forget to put the next date on the calendar by the time the group leaves. And then somebody has to be like, hey, guys, we didn't pick a date. Which of these dates were? And it's a hassle. Yeah. And then it's emails. Yeah. You know, rounds blah, of emails. Blah, blah, blah. But yeah. so there's somebody you kind of need somebody who feels like it's on them yeah. because otherwise everybody has tons of fun. But then it just kind of peters out. Yeah, it sounds that- like. That also happened with my other group, the Best Sellers Club. Which was <laughs> I love it. Four or five of us who were got together to write bestsellers. Yeah. Um, but the problem is we did a lot more talking than, than the writing <laughs> of bestsellers. Yeah, um, but that's fine. But if I start another group like that, I guess I just have to put myself in charge and take yeah. on the responsibility and then make sure to keep it going. Yeah, because it's the problem of keeping it going. Um, but another thing is, you know, Groups can form around lots of different things. And it helps, though, to have some sort of thing that you're organizing around. And one group that I I thought was really interesting, it was a bunch of people who thought that they wouldn't actually read a book. The guys were like, realistically, we're not going to read a book. But they decided they would read famous New Yorker profiles. Ah. That's easy to get. Super well written. Lots to talk about. A great idea for a group. My father-in-law was part of a group that talked about fly fishing. They didn't even go fly fishing. They just talked about fly fishing. He loved that. And then a friend of mine, um, she keeps saying she's going to form this group and all these people want to join, but she hasn't actually, like we're saying, hasn't started it. She said, I'm going to start a group for people who read People magazine. And I would always be prepared and I have a lot to say. Well, that's a good group for me to join. It'd have to be Us Weekly. (laughs) Well, there you go. Splinter Group, Us Weekly. And the thing about groups is it sounds funny to talk about efficiency and friendship, you know, but the fact is one of the things about friendship is that it takes time and energy. And if you see people in a group, it's less time consuming to organize it because you're seeing a bunch of people at once and having all the instead of having all these like one off plans. If you miss seeing everybody one time, you're like, well, I'll see the next time. You know, I was out of town. I missed that meeting, but I'll come the next time. A lot of times when groups form, it's like you bring your friends and I bring my friends. So I meet your friends. You meet my friends. We all like broaden our social network. There's accountability if there's any kind of like writing a bestseller mm-hmm. or sticking to your good habits. Groups give a lot of accountability, and it's better to have an accountability group than an accountability partner, because that way, if one person sort of fades away, you still have the group. Ah. And the fact is, you know, if you're going to say, what's the secret to happiness? The secret to happiness, one answer is strong relationships. And the deeper and the broader our relationships, the happier we're going to be. And this is a way to have face-to-face relationships with people in a way that is more manageable uh, for a lot of people. And so it can really boost your happiness because you feel like, you know, there's nothing worse than saying, I mean, we talked about this a couple episodes ago when you're like, I feel like I'm not seeing my old friends and it just, it, it bothers me because I want to. Um, and ha- having a group that meets is a way to make sure that you see people who are important to you in a regular way. Yeah, I mean, Jack is starting kindergarten in yeah. the fall and I'm thinking I should try to start some sort of group, you know, among yeah. parents in the kindergarten, and yeah. then I'll know that I'll get to know people and ha- sort of have an ongoing reason to stay in contact. In my daughter's school, some years, not all years, but the people who are like the, in charge, you know, the parents who are like the volunteer parents for the year would organize coffees once a month after drop off. And uh, or they would do it, you know, in the afternoon to kind of to see what worked for people the best. And um, and so you just showed up if you wanted to have coffee with other parents. And it was great because if you had the time and you could do, then it was a way to meet the other parents. And it was sort of a group. It was a natural group. But we needed somebody to say, like, hey, we're all going to meet for coffee after drop off on the last Friday of every month. Because even if everybody wanted to do that until somebody said, let's do it. 
It just didn't. It, does, it doesn't happen. Right. Like Jack's preschool had a mom who who would organize mom's night out. And yeah. then her son graduated yeah. preschool and there was never another yeah. mom's yeah. night out. And no, it was, no. Yeah. And those people deserve they deserve that. You deserve a gold star if you're the person Absolutely. who does it. So so let us know if you tried this at home and how joining or starting a group works for you. Find us on Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Go to my site, Gretchen Rubin. Um, and you can find all this information in the, in the show notes. Um, so get in touch with us. We want to hear from you. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. I now work with a team, and I am here to say that finding the right candidate and hiring the right candidate is one of the very biggest and most important challenges to anyone who has a small business. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, Elizabeth, this week, the better than before habit strategy is the strategy of scheduling. So just put something on the schedule and you'll be more likely to do it, I'm guessing. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> that I mean, simple. I was just like, big insight. Uh, yes, that is it. It's that for most people, just putting something on the schedule, literally putting it on the schedule makes them far more likely to follow through with it. Now, partly it's because you eliminate decision making because something, at least for me, I've noticed something that can be done at any time is often done at no time. And so if you think, well, I'll get to the gym sometime t today. You know, one thing comes up, another thing comes up, and then you never go. But if you say, I'm going to go to the gym at 9 a.m., then it's like it's on the schedule and you've decided when to go. You, you've, you've put it on the calendar. And also, sometimes we have unrealistic expectations of what we can do in a day. We think, oh, well, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll run this errand, I'll pick this up, I'll figure this out, I'll write this, you know. And you just sort of do whatever comes up. And often it's not the things that you really most want to get done um, because maybe there's more pro procrastination or whatever around that. And so if you put it on the calendar, if, if it's on the schedule, you have to actually be realistic about what can happen in a day. And so maybe one thing has to give way because something else is more important. So putting it on the calendar makes you be specific with yourself and it also helps you set priorities. Now... Uh, the only issue with this, Gretchen, is some people don't like to put things on the schedule. Well, that, like that, Adam, your husband, my husband, he hates putting things on the schedule, and he almost flies into a panic if I suggest putting something huh. on the schedule. Huh. He has a very negative reaction. Well, it's interesting though because rebels. If we talk about the four tendencies, one thing about rebels is they often hate to put things on the schedule, like even if something that they like, like, oh, I really want to learn how to do woodworking. But now that I see I'm supposed to go to a woodworking class at two o'clock on Saturday, I refuse to go because I'm not going to go if somebody's expecting me to go. But Adam is not a rebel. And yet he has this resistance to scheduling. What do you think it's about? Well, he says part of it is that he has chronic migraines. Oh, yeah. And so he said he always worries if he put if we schedule something that he's going to have a migraine at that time and he's going to not be able to go or not want to go and he's going to have this headache and it's going to 
be awful. You know, for instance, when we were going on vacation, I wanted to schedule whale watching. When you were in Hawaii? Yes, when we went to Hawaii. And he just didn't want to put, to him, that wasn't a vacation if we Uh. had anything on the schedule. Uh. So I will say we never ended up going whale watching. Uh. Now, we had a wonderful vacation without whale watching. Right. But I would like to be able to put a few things on the schedule. And I've kind of decided I should just start putting things on the schedule. And then if he doesn't know about (laughs) it, he won't worry about it. The secret schedule. And I can spring it on him at the last minute. Because the truth is, he always does everything he's going to do with a migraine anyway. Probably really wouldn't stop him from doing it. Oh. Um, And he always likes it afterward. He's always glad we did whatever is on the schedule. So if you say to him, like, oh, hey we could leave right now and get get to this whale watching by 11, he would be like, okay. Well, or the night before, oh. something very close. But uh, he doesn't even want to schedule a massage, which, you know, he's very anti-scheduling. Well, this is the thing that I noticed when I was studying how people form habits, because scheduling is something that really helps people form habits, because the more it's on the schedule, the more easily it happens. But one of the things that, that I realized is very important is that people have really different attitudes towards all these things. Like some people love, like I have to have a schedule. I can't conceive of waking up and spending a day. I just automatically start thinking, well, this is going to happen at this time and this will happen at that time. I would get very anxious if I didn't have a schedule. But then other people are just the opposite. And what I realize is you really have to figure out what works for you. And so the strategy of scheduling is a very powerful strategy for a lot of people. But if you are philosophically opposed to the idea of having a schedule, don't try to use it to change your habits because it's n- it's going to be exactly against your grain. It's not going to be helpful to you. But I do think that for most people, scheduling is helpful. Not for everyone, but for most people, it does end up being uh, a useful tool. Yeah. It's just one of those things that clearly makes sense. Yeah. But also, you know, when you think about setting priorities or, you know, a lot of times people talk about having balance, you know, like they want to balance everything in their lives. And I got to say, that never uh, rang true for me. I don't like balance sort of suggests that you could get everything there if you just put kind of got it on the scale the proper way. And so instead, I tell myself, I'm going to cram my life with the things I love. Mm-hmm. And that means I've, I've got plenty of time on the schedule for the things that I love to do that are important to me. But that means there's not always time for the things that aren't important for me to me. And so they have to fall away because I want to cram my schedule with the things that I love. I love that uh, phrase, cram your life with the things you love. Yeah. And use a schedule or not, depending on whether a schedule works for you. And now it's time for a listener question. Gretchen, this week our listener question comes from Hannah. She sent us an email. It says, I have one happiness question that I would love for you to answer on your podcast. I find that I am always looking forward to the next thing in life and not enjoying where I am now enough. I'm always thinking about moving, getting engaged, getting a new job, etc., and envision that I will be happier when those things happen. But actually, but that actually takes away from my happiness now. So, Gretch, what do we do about this? Well, I think it's completely ironic because we just talked about the power of scheduling and what is it <laughs> right. to do scheduling, but to plan for the like plan decide, happiness. Yeah, yeah, like oh, I'm going to do this tomorrow. I'm gonna, happiness. Yeah, I'm going to do this next week. Oh, it's going to be so amazing when we go whale watching in a month. Um, so there is an ironic juxtaposition there, but. Um, 
But I think this is a big this is a big question is like how to get more happiness from the present moment. It's a big thing. Well, of course, we can't talk about this without invoking uh, our yeah. dad. Yes. Who uh, his phrase we've mentioned many times, I think, on this podcast, enjoy the process, enjoy the process. And he always says, you know, you have to enjoy where you are now uh, because, you know, you can't just look at the destination and the destination is probably not going to be as great as you think it is. So stay and enjoy you know, where you are in this moment. And one of the things I often say to myself is to try to enjoy this season of life um, because every season of life has its certain qualities. And sometimes you get, at least I, often get distracted by the annoying aspects of a particular season of life. And But then I think, oh, but this is this is what it is to be, you know, my age and be do- going through what I'm going through. For instance... I remember thinking distinctly how annoyed I was by having a stroller in our front hall. So every time you walked into the front hall, there was the stroller, and it just bugged me. It was a thing out of place. There was nowhere else. We had no, you know, we live in an apartment. There was nowhere else to put it. Um, It just annoyed me. And I kept thinking, oh, it's going to be so great to get rid of that stroller. And then, of course, what do I do now? I look back with such Mm. nostalgia on the days when I had a baby in a stroller. And I think, oh, my gosh, I'd love to go back. And to that time when I had a stroller in my front hall. And so um, I should have reminded myself. I mean, and this is the whole thing. I mean, to remember what you're going through and to try to enjoy it and not to constantly look ahead to the future. Yeah, like Hannah's saying, looking forward to getting engaged. Well, if she feels like she's just thinking about getting engaged, she should say, well, now is the time when we're just dating and it's fun and there's no responsibility and no planning and no commitment. Right. Uh, And then enjoy that phase before she moves on and then enjoys the engagement phase uh, and so on. This is a very, very common experience because if you look at people generally, we have a tendency to think that we're going to be slightly happier in the future than we are now, um, which is probably kind of a good thing about human nature because it makes us feel like we, you know everything's sort of slightly on the uprise. Um, but it also can make us think like, well, now doesn't matter as much because tomorrow is going to be much better. And in terms, back to the idea of habits, this is something that also comes up with habits. And I do this to myself all the time, which is I think, well... Things are going to be easier in the summer, so I'll wait until the summer. Oh, things are going to calm down once my girls go back to school, so that'll be the right time to do it, or that's when things are going to like feel right. Um, instead of saying, well, let me just embrace what's happening right now and deal with what's happening right now, enjoy it, um, and focus on it, instead of constantly be thinking that the future is going to be slightly different and slightly better. So thank you, Santa, for um, sending in that question, um, which I think is something that a lot of people share. There are some stories about our father's life that I truly never get tired of hearing, from hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting. His retelling of the events always brings me joy. Just in time for Father's Day, I found the perfect gift that captures all his stories for our family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your father or father figure's life for years to come. And Gretch, you get a book of all these stories. And I love just keeping a book on the coffee table and anyone from any generation can see a story from dad, like what was his favorite toy or what was his first job? 
Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Give all the fathers in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com happier. That's storyworth.com happier to save $10 on your first purchase. Okay, it's time for demerits and gold stars, and I'm up for the demerit. Yeah, what, what is it, Grouch? Okay, well, I am a sleep zealot. As you yes. know, Elizabeth, you are on the uh, receiving edge of many of my uh, helpful talks slash lectures slash bullying um, about going to sleep on time and having good sleep habits. And I really try to have good sleep habits myself. And yet the entire time that I was, I wasn't to Australia for a week. And every night that I was in Australia, I took Ambien. And then when I got back for many days, I also took Ambien. And I just felt hypocritical about it because I thought, you know, I should do what I know works, which is get up at the same time, go outside, exercise regularly, don't check my email before I go to bed, all those things, and really get back into the habit of good, sound sleep. And instead, I didn't. And so I feel like I should have reminded myself of the things that I know so well. And I'm I'm such a believer in the importance of keeping those good sleep habits um, and yet I took advantage of that that sort of loophole of, oh, I'm on a trip. And, oh, I just got back from a trip. I'm jet lagged. I'm jet lagged, yeah. Um, but so anyway, I want to learn from that and do better. Like, just go right, you know, go into those good habits because I know that in the end that's what's going to work. But so In ta- your defense, I will say that I think a lot of us feel panic at the idea of not sleeping. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, it's that's such a feeling that you're just like, can't risk it. I can't risk not I can't sleeping. Risk it. So, But now you're back into your old... Yeah. Your usual routine. And I feel and so much better. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So take us up. Take us up to the gold star. My gold star is um, actually sort of revisiting a past gold star. Oh, uh, my very first gold star I ever gave was to my treadmill desk. Oh, yes. And for anyone who's not familiar with it, uh, you, <laughs> Gretchen, gave me as a present, which was a wonderful present. Best gift of all time. A treadmill desk, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a treadmill that has a desk around it. <laughs> and I have it in my office at work. And I love my treadmill desk. Um, Partly I'm type 1 diabetic, as we've discussed, so it really helps my blood sugar stay constant. And for a million reasons. I mean, it's just going to work and ending the day having walked five miles. Not that I walk five miles every day, but on the days that I do, I feel so great about myself. You really, yeah. And there's all sorts of benefits, but... Sarah, my writing partner, and I have been outside. We haven't been in an office for the past like four or five months right. just because of the way our our, our um, work is. Sometimes we're in office, sometimes we're not. That's the TV writing business. Yeah. The, the scheduling. So last week, our, we took the treadmill desks out of storage and put them back into our new office. And I'm back on the treadmill ah. desk. And I have to tell you, the second I turned it on and just even took five steps, uh-huh. I felt like a new person. Really? I felt like my mood just improved. I was so happy to be back on my treadmill desk. Um, so, you know, it just it's one of those things that truly affects the quality of my life. And I just thought it deserved another gold star. Well, because you you had it, then you lost it. Now, now it's, it's back. back. Yeah. And you appreciate it. Um, but so I want you to send a picture of 
the treadmill desk so I can post it oh. on GretchenRubin.com so everybody and it's can. it's new cause, home. Because I think a lot of people have never heard of treadmill desk, and so they probably can't even picture what exactly that looks like. But it's exactly yeah. what it sounds like, but yeah. I'll post a picture for anybody yeah. who's and Sarah curious. has one, too. So both of us <laughs> um, have our treadmill desk back, which will probably also make us get along better because we're oh. be doing more walking while talking. Oh, that's great. Oh, gold star. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Join or start a group. Let us know if you tried it, if it worked for you, and what's your group about. Thanks, as always, to our producer, Henry Malofsky. Also, big thanks to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers from Panoply. And if you go to my site, GretchenRubin.com, I have a post that I put up every week when we have a new episode, and I'll have pictures and links and anything you need and uh, all our contact information as well. Um, And if you do want to leave us a voicemail question or comment, that's 774-277-9336 or easier to remember, 77-HAPPY-336. And if you like the show, it's a big help to us if you tell a friend and subscribe to us in iTunes. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and up. This podcast is part of the Panoply Network. Check out our entire roster of podcasts at iTunes.com slash Panoply.